make sure you get awesome guys. Don't you like the flowers next to my name? How's it look? How's it look? Pink? Oh, yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, let's turn our Bibles to Philippians 4. I know we have Mother's Day plans. Hopefully, uh, you have something fun to do after this. But if not, enjoy the Celtics game. Go Celtics! Uh, my son uh, loves LeBron James, and he's uh, going to be rooting against me. But uh, I'm excited about that. I want to uh, start off with a prayer, and then we're going to jump in to one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Philippians 4.13. Uh, and we'll finish up the book of Philippians today. A lot to do, but uh, hopefully in a uh, strong and brief time. Amen? Uh, let's say a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time to worship you right now. God, we're grateful for our mothers, Father. Lord, we're grateful for the mother uh, of Jesus. And uh, God, just thinking about all that she went through in her life, God, uh, is incredible. And thank you so much for her faithfulness and for every other mother's faithfulness in this room, God. I know that being a mother can be very emotional, Lord, because uh, mothers care and love so much. And we just ask you, Lord, to strengthen every mother in this room, Father. Strengthen them spiritually, God. They have such a huge role in uh, the lives of their children, God. They are that steady, loving place, God, that safe place that, Lord, you also give us as well. Thank you that a mother's love is unconditional. And thank you so much, God, that your love is unconditional, Lord. We thank you for the scriptures in, in, in the Philippian uh, book, Father. We're grateful for uh, the incredible letter that Paul wrote, Father. And God, let it give us victory today, God. Help us to really come out of here just ready to face our week with victory, God. Help us to, to let the scripture stick on our hearts today, God. Let something that is said in your word stick on the hearts of the people here, God, so they can live the life that you've called them to live, the victorious one, Father. We're grateful that we have everything we need to live a godly life, God. We're so grateful, Lord, that in many ways we can be content because we already have everything. Lord, help us to have the right goals in our life, God, to not have goals that the world tells us to have, but rather our goal would be to please you. Father, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, the passage of Scripture we're going to look at today is this little chunk here in verse 9. So you can be turning there. Philippians 4, verse 9. And we are ending our series, at least the Scripture part of the series. I felt like it wasn't going to be, I was going to do just to this book just by ending today. So next week, I'm going to really dig deeper and pull out the lessons of of the Philippian uh, book and uh, of, of Philippians and just kind of overview it again after we've studied it all through to review some things and hopefully some things that you can take and say, I'm never going to f- forget this book in my life. And something that, you know, I know we've heard a lot of Bible, we've heard a lot of stuff, but, but living out the Bible is, is better than just reading it. Amen? Amen? And how do we overcome anxiety? How do we overcome the stresses of life? How do we keep our joy no matter what? If we get Philippians, we can understand joy. There's two things that I love is the, this phrase in Romans. Someone said once, if you get Romans, yeah. God gets you. Amen? Because you understand the amazing grace and you'll never leave that place. Mm-hmm. If you get Romans, God gets you. I think if you get 
uh, Philippians, you can have endless joy in your life, unceasing joy, uh, and you can rejoice always if you get Philippians. And I don't know about you, but I, wanna, I want God to get me, amen? And I also want to have joy in my life forever uh, because this world can suck our joy out, amen? amen? So let's jump right in, and we're going to do Philippians 4, verse 9, and look at this incredible passage and kind of end it. I know last time we looked at one verse, and we kind of really, really uh, squeezed the sponge out of that verse uh, in verse 8. And now we're, we're picking up in verse 9, and we're going to look at the last part of Philippians. The Bible reads in verse 9, Paul is speaking. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Let me read that again, amen? For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire uh, is that more to be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are fragrant offerings, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with, are, who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send your, you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. He could certainly write a good letter, couldn't he? Man, uh, what if you're the guard chained to him? What are you thinking? Hey, what are you writing about? Maybe he's like, can I read it to you? Let's see how it sounds, you know? And he's reading this to the, the jail. He's like, who is this guy? I'm sure that these people were like, who, who is this guy? And uh, it's funny in the book of Acts how they were confused who Paul was. They knew he was a great leader. They knew he was super influential. And one time they were like, aren't you that Greek guy that went on and he said, from another country? And he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm not that guy. People were just confused who Paul was. But after reading this, you realize he's a follower of Jesus. And he is one of the most triumphal Christians in the whole known world. Um, verse 9 says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. You know, you can't get away from Paul in the book of Philippians. Because it's really understanding Paul's heart, understanding Paul's life, 
understanding the way Paul thought. And he's saying, whatever you've seen in me, whatever you've received from me, or whether you, whatever you've heard from me, put into practice. And he was very confident that the God of peace would be with us. Amen? And I don't know about you, but it's encouraging to see how Paul just had confidence in his own life as someone who could be imitated. But he also realized that he's still straining towards these things. And so the first thing he says, whatever you've received from me, amen? That is the teaching that he's given that we're all trying to live up to. And I don't know about you, but the thing that spurred me on from this study was I do want to do a more deeper study of Paul. And, uh, you know, one brother asked me, what could I study out as far as grace? And I think the best study in grace would be to study out Paul's understanding of grace in his own life. Because he was a killer of Christians. He persecuted the church for years. He was an enemy, as, as Jared spoke about, an enemy of, of, some, of, of the church. He was someone that looked to, to harm people. He was looking to harm the Christians. And here he is, it's victor, victorious to see him now speaking on Christ. And the last thing that Stephen said is, forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they do. And he gave up his spirit. Amen? That prayer was answered. That prayer was answered in Paul's life. Understanding grace. You've got to understand how he thought. Now that he had grace, he was able to do all things. And so the, the simple title of this message is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I love this picture because, you know, you got this guy and he's, he's thinking he's a superhero, right? But he, if you look at him, he doesn't look that much of a superhero. But in his own mind, with Christ, amen, he was able to feel that. He's able to feel that. You know, that's how we look to the world. <laughs> kind of scrawny, you know, uh, not that impressive. But in his own mind, he is a superhero, amen? He is someone great. He is someone that can overcome all things through Christ. And the most amazing thing is that through Christ, we can do all things, everything, amen? You know, um, I heard this one thing that, that I think was very helpful is having peace. We're going to talk about peace, contentment, and overcoming anything today. A lot, you know, lot to talk about, amen? But what are you going through right now that's hitting you hard? I just want to ask you that question. What are you going through that, that's worrying you? What's, what, what are you going through right now that is a challenge in your life? I want you to think about that. And then I want you to think of the scripture in verse 13 that says, I can do everything. Through him who gives me strength. How do you take your challenges, real life challenges, the things that are really hard in your life, and overcome them through Christ? We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about understanding and imitating Paul's thinking and Paul's life so that we can be people that overcome through Jesus Christ. Amen? So what's happening in this verse, basically what's happening, and this is super encouraging, is that the Philippian church get, heard Paul was going through some challenges, heard that he was essentially under house arrest, heard that he was in prison by the Roman Empire, and that he was going to face uncertain trials against Caesar's court. They didn't know what was going to happen. He might die, he might live. Uh, Paul felt like from the Holy Spirit that he was going to live, Amen. And amen, he did live on, okay? But the Philippian church saw this, and, and they, Paul didn't even ask them for a gift. 
But they said, we have to send money to Paul because for two years, he's been in this rented house. Who's paying for his expenses? And Timothy and the other brothers were like, oh, we don't know. There's not really, he can't work. He can't do tents. You know, it's hard to make a tent in your house. Yeah. It's, it's hard to do that with a chain to your arm. And so the Philippian church said, we need to give a free will gift offering to Paul. And that, that's what happened. They sent them money. I don't, we don't know how much money. We know it was a generous offer. And they, he gave it to Paul, and Paul was touched. And I believe the response when he received that, uh, that money, he felt compelled to write the book of Philippians. Isn't that cool? That, that disciples, when they give, amazing things can happen. It's powerful to think about the fact that these people just wanted to express their gratitude. And because of their gratefulness, because of their expression of gratitude, Paul had to write this book back to him, had to write this letter back to him in response to that. You know, our generous expressions of gratitude go a long way. And I th- want to say that I thank those unnamed Philippians because, because of their generous gift to Paul, we have this amazing book in the Bible. And I don't know about you, but I've learned to cherish this book in an amazing way. And so the first thought that I had that's important so that you can overcome anything through Christ that gives you strength is realizing what Christ has already given you. Mm-hmm. Express gratitude. Express gratitude. That's the first simple point in overcoming anything through Christ who gives you strength. How much do you express gratitude? Let me ask you that. If you're like me, it sometimes can be hard to remember to thank somebody. You know, it's, it's easy to say thank you. You know, we can say sometimes thank you when someone opens the door. And that's kind of something in the moment we can do. Amen? And I think we should do that. But it's thinking about all that you have and all you are given and then expressing that gratitude to someone. That's some of the most powerful things in the world to do. Number one, it encourages you so much. It helps you realize what you have. And then secondly, it moves people that you express that gratitude toward. You know, every day, church, we need to be expressing gratitude to the people that loved us. Amen? This day is a day to express gratitude to our mothers. Amen? And we're excited about that. I'm grateful for days that help us remember to express gratitude to the people that we love and the people that love us. But specifically, one of the things that I think was really amazing was how the Philippian church expressed gratitude to their father in the faith, Paul. And I want to ask you, who studied the Bible with you? Who studied the scriptures with you? I want you to think about these names, these people, these these people that maybe I don't know, right? Maybe some of them uh, are in this room, amen, because we have a lot of young Christians in this room or older, getting older Christians, amen? But the people that study the Bible with you and how important it is to express gratitude to them. I'll tell you the people that uh, I really appreciate is this guy named Olu Omolaju, Nigerian guy. This other guy named Mike Sage, who used to be a drug dealer, but then turned Christian. And now was the campus minister at the time. Amen? That's pretty powerful. Another guy who was uh, both people went to NYU Tisch and they were on Broadway, Mark Thompson and John Morales. And then Dan Connor was the other guy who studied the Bible with me. He was leading the whole Manhattan region. And I remember spending time with them. I remember going to their apartment, 
They all lived in this really small New York City apartment. They weren't making anything. And they were giving their time. Some of them were just not even on staff. Some of them were. But they gave their time to me. And I was somebody, in many ways, that was just passing by in the summertime. I was met at New York, uh, in New York City and uh, NYU. And I was there for two months, and then I was going home. And they felt it. You know, if you think about it, if someone was studying the Bible right now, and you knew they were going to be gone in a month or two, it'd be tempting to go, well, I don't know how much impact we're going to be able to make in this guy's life. You know, I don't know, how, how is he going to do well? What are we going to do? You know, maybe we should set them up with the people where he's going to be long term. But they jumped right in and started studying the Bible with me. It was awesome. And they studied every day with me. And I remember just many funny moments in their life. And seeing these people impacted me greatly. They spent time. They challenged me. They taught me about Jesus. I remember doing the cross study. I remember doing this really messed up kingdom study where this guy, Mark, didn't know what he was doing. It was awesome. He didn't know the scriptures really that well at the time. And he was like, the head represents... Hold on a second. And he looks at his other book. He's like... That head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he's going through it all, you know, he's trying, he's going through it, you know, and I remember Mike Sage sharing his life in the sin study with me and talking about how he used to deal drugs for three straight years and how he, how he was met and the power of the cross in his life. I remember Olu uh, just studying the Bible with me and challenging me every single moment, every time challenging me, hey, so why can't you turn that B plus into an A? God wants you to be excellent. I remember just, man, oh my goodness, you know, I got a B plus, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing great. Leave me alone, you know, and, 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 and he, he, he's just a man of character, amen, in my life. I remember uh, Dan Connor asking me, why do you want to be baptized? And I was like, I don't want to go to hell. He's like, that's a good reason. But there's a better reason. We're at McDonald's. This is awesome, right? We're at McDonald's. <laughs> counting the cost, you know, and he's like, because God loves you so much that he gave his son for you. That's why. I remember him sharing that with me. And then I also remember what a knucklehead I was because three, three or four years later, I was at a conference in London. I was at that point in the ministry. And this guy came up to me who was also studying the Bible with me. And he was like, dude, you're at this conference. It's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, London, it's really cool. People speak different here, and you know, it's, it's awesome. London, you know, the underground thing, you know, that's cool. You know, and he's like, no, man, who cares about London? I definitely thought you were going to fall away. And I was like, oh. He's like, yeah, you just went to UNH, and we never heard from you again. And, and then I moved somewhere else, and I never heard from you again. I was like, that brother fell away. And it's amazing. How did you even get here? It's like, well, I'm on staff. He's like, what? He started being, he was like, hallelujah, hallelujah. And, and, and this guy was not like a religious guy. He just started praising God in front of me. And I was like, wow. It showed me how messed up I really was. And how much he really, uh, how, how much people invested in me. And, and, I, and I've, I've called them and talked to them and expressed that gratitude, and it helps my heart so much to do that. And so I want to encourage you to express gratitude in some way. Uh, and I want to go back to those people. Some of these people actually aren't even disciples anymore. Some of these people, unfortunately, walked away, but, 
But what if I contact them and I say, hey, dude, remember when you studied the Bible with me? Thank you for that. What can that do in that person's life? I know we have some people that maybe study the Bible with us that are not around, unfortunately, you know. That happens, unfortunately, in God's kingdom. But expressing gratitude is one of the most powerful things in the whole world to do. I encourage you to take the Philippian approach to expressing gratitude. These guys actually sent money. Now, I'm not saying send money to the people that studied the Bible with you. Although, amen, maybe gift cards would be encouraging. (laughs) And by no means am I asking you to talk to me at all about this. If I've studied the Bible with you. I'm saying talk to the people. I actually don't want you to talk to me. I want you to talk to other people that study the Bible. Because I get talked to a lot. I get expressed gratitude a lot. But it's the people that worked 10 hours that day, amen, (laughs) at their job. And then they still get to the Bible study to spend time with you. That's powerful. People that are falling asleep in the Bible study because they're so tired. That's the power of gratitude. You know, because of the Philippian church expressing this gratitude, we have the book of Philippians. Think about that for a second. Eternally, the impact that one thank you can do, whether it be a card, a gift, a phone call, Those are the best phone calls. Express gratitude. What are you grateful for in this world? You have to realize what you have in Christ. Amen? What you have in Christ is so amazing. Second point that I I want us to think about, you know, this says gratitude is the best attitude. I love this quote. I don't want to pass it over. Treat each anxious thought with a grateful one. What if we did that, guys? Every time you have an anxious thought, think about something you're grateful for. And prepare yourself for a new day of joy. Maybe that's the one thing you take from this message. If you're anxious, get grateful. Think about what you have. Anxiety usually is about what you don't have, what you're missing, right? Gratitude is about what you have. I put to you, church, you have more, a lot more than you don't have. Amen, in your life. Think about that. Gratitude is the best attitude. You know, when you see grateful people... Don't they just blessings stick to them? I don't know about you. You ever see someone grateful that isn't blessed? That isn't walking around, I'm walking on sunshine. You know, they're fired up. They're excited. And people want to be around them. And, you know, when you're choosing, who am I going to promote? Let me take the grateful guy. He's fun to be around. The grumpy guy, keep him where he's at. You know, there's the truth to the fact that it's actually true to the people that smile more, smile more, get ahead more in life. And I don't think that's necessarily the, the, the motivation for it, but it does show you how powerful gratitude can be. Amen? <clears throat> Second point, the secret of contentment. And this is where, this is where the passage comes from. And we, in many ways, um, verse 10, let's read that again. Because Paul's basically saying, hey, I appreciate your gift. I'm super rejoicing about it, but I don't even need it. (laughs) It's kind of cool. He kind of did need it. (laughs) But he's saying, I don't even need it because I've learned to be content in any circumstance. Kind of crazy, huh? Who could say that confidently in this church? I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. That's a pretty radical thing to say, isn't it? I want to be able to say that someday. 
Maybe it's going to take me 10 years to get there. But I want to be able to say, I've learned to be content in any circumstance. Let's make that a goal of our Christian life. One of our goals of our Christian life is contentment. Contentness with godliness is great gain. Amen? You know, without contentment, it's hard to be joyful because contentment says, I have enough. I don't have to chase anymore. I don't have to grasp for something. I have all I need. That's what Paul felt. As he was jobless, money's starting to run out, and he's in a rented apartment. He was feeling like, I'm content. I have everything I need right now. Amen? I want to read an expert from a book that I was been reading. It's actually a great book. I want to suggest it if, you, if you'd like to read it. It's called Anxious for Nothing by Max Licata. Have you ever heard this book before? Great, great book. And uh, Danielle was reading it, and then she said, you should read it too. You know, and I started reading it, and now uh, some of our family members are reading it. It was awesome. But I just wanted to read about the, the problem of if only. Amen? If only. I'm going to read this excerpt. excerpt. Um, the widest river in the world is not the Mississippi, the Amazon, or the Nile. The, wildest ri- the, wi- the widest river on earth is a body of water called If Only. Throngs of people stand on its banks and cast longing eyes over the waters. They desire to cross, but they can't seem to find the ferry. They are convinced the If Only river separates them from the good life. If only I were thinner, I'd have a good life. If only I was richer, I'd have the good life. If only the kids would come. If only the kids were gone. If only I could leave home. If only I could move home. If only if I can get married. If only I could get divorced. If only my skin were clear of pimples. My calendar free of people. And my profession immune to layoffs. Then I would have the good life. The, the if only river. Are you standing on its shores? Does it seem the good life is always one, if only away? One purchase away, one promotion away, one election away, one transition away, or one romance away? If so, then we've traced your anxiety back to one of its sources. You're in a hurry to cross a river and worried that you never will. Consequently, you work long hours, borrow more money, take on new projects, pile on more responsibilities, stress, debt, short nights, long days, all part of the cost of the ticket to the land of the good life, right? Not exactly. The Apostle Paul says the good life begins not when circumstances change, but when our attitude toward them does. This is a good book. You should get it, amen? It's a good book. (laughs) I think this... I can so relate to this, if only, river. And this is what Paul saw through, amen? He was able to say, what do you mean if only? I already have, I've already crossed the river. I'm already on the other side. And guess who's with me? Christ. Christ is with me, amen? Christ is with me. What's the secret of being content? This was a hard thing for me to study out. I spent like hours thinking about this thought, What is it? In a simple expression, what does it mean to be content? And I hope that what the Holy Spirit, I think, revealed in me 
really helps you. You know, first we have to have no more if-onlys in our life. It's a petri dish where anxiety starts to grow. If you have an if-only, then, then the petri just kind of starts growing. Replace it with already. Amen? And watch peace and contentment begin. But I want to just look at Paul's life because I think it's helpful to look at Paul's life real quickly. And this is one of the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, where he kind of just shares about some of the things he's been through. Amen? And basically you go, I mean, when you read this, you're like, wow. <laughs> Amen. I'm never going to complain again. <laughs> he says, are there servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Dude. Five times. Think about that. People don't even survive one time. Three times I was beaten with rods. Amen? How's your day? I was beaten with rods. These dudes came out of nowhere and beat me. Once I was pelted with stones. We know that in the Bible it says that they left him for dead and went back into the city where he was pelted. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been danger from rivers, dangers from bandits, and dangers from my fellow Jews, and danger for Gentiles, and danger of the city, and danger in the country, and <laughs> danger in the sea, and danger from false believers. Danger was everywhere. Danger, danger alert. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food. I've been cold, and I've been naked. Besides everything, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, I do not inwardly burn? If I, am, I, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. You know, he's trying to help the Corinthian church to kind of accept his leadership a little bit to kind of say, listen, it's not about the, the paid speakers. It's not about the oracles. Like, you know, you think about Apollos, he's eloquent. It's about weakness, church. He's kind of trying to help them out and he's kind of sharing his life here. But what I think is so important is this guy had been through so many trials that being chained to a man in a safe rented apartment was easy to him. To him, he'd already been through the washing machine and back. And in some ways, we can't get content without going through some challenging things to get perspective. You know, you're not going to learn the secret of content with just a book, amen? You're going to have to learn it through life. But along the way, one of the things that really inspires me is what Paul discovered here. In verse 10. Let's read it in verse 10. It says, I want to know... Uh, no, it doesn't say that. Chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord at last. You renewed my concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned. But I had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. We see how he learned it. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here's the secret, church, verse 13. 
And I put to you, if you meditate on this scripture, you will find the secret of content. And it's a simple one. He says, I can do all this, all things, everything, through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through him, Jesus, who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. What is the all things? This is one of the most misquoted passages in all the Bible. I want to say that right now. People use this as like a self-motivation thing, like, you know, self-help thing. You know, you want to be, you know, a billionaire? You can do all things through Christ who gave you strength. You want to have anything you want? It can be used in the health and wealth gospel in a great way. And that's not what Paul meant when he said it. He didn't mean everything the world teaches us to want. He was saying everything, meaning I can do everything that pleases God through him who gives me strength. You know, when you look at the apostles and you look at Jesus, it wasn't lifestyles of the rich and famous. Welcome to lifestyles of the rich and famous. We're speaking with Jesus right now and we're seeing his great no home. He doesn't have a home. What's, what's going on here? We went to the wrong guy. Where's his bank account? What's his net worth? Well, his net worth is, he actually owns everything, but you don't really know it yet. Yeah. <laughs> but the truth is, these guys weren't lifestyles of rich and famous. They were not just blessed in every way, the way the world says. What is your goal in life? Is it to do what the world wants? Or is it to do what pleases God? This is where Paul shifted. He went from being a, being a Pharisee who was going to the top, right? He was, you know, going for it. The Pharisee, he was under Gamaliel. He was like at the Harvard, uh, of, of PhD of Harvard. He was going for it. He was about to replace Gamaliel as the top teacher, which includes lots of fame, lots of honor, and lots of money, right? Pretty good situation. You're never going to get laid off, you know, if the temple is destroyed, and everything is, you know, gone from the sacrificial system, then maybe it will. And unfortunately, that's what happened to a lot of Pharisees. They lost <laughs> because the temple was destroyed later in 70 AD. But one of the things that was amazing is he was going for that. He was, he was ambitious. He was grasping. He was, he, was, he was the epitome of if only, right? If only I can just stop these Christians, then we can continue on with our movement. If only we can stop this guy, Stephen, from speaking, then, then we will continue on. He was the epitome of if only. And then he changed from, if only I can please Christ. What is the everything? What is, I can do everything through him who gives me strength? I put to you, church, that it's to please God. Your new goal should be to please God. Your new goal. You can have little goals that please God that are kind of, uh, you know, secular in, in some ways. I don't think there's anything wrong with secular goals. But your top goal needs to be pleasing God. So if you're pleasing God right now, then you can be content. And I see a lot of people pleasing God right now. And I also see a Satan who's trying to make you feel discontented because he wants you to get off of pleasing God. 
Paul said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can please God through Christ who gives me strength. My goal is to please God. It's not to have a big bank account. It's not to, to, to be successful in the world's eyes. It's not to, you know, have everything easy in my life. It's to please God. And so even when he was naked, even when he's being belted with, with, with clubs and rods, he was pleasing God. And he was getting the strength to please God. You know, recently I've been trying to simplify my life. Amen? It's not easy. Because there's a lot of noise and stuff that tries to drown out pleasing God. And I encourage you to first think of what pleases God. Am I pleasing God? What's the thing that's going to please God? What is the thing that's going to please God? Well, I put the scripture here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You know, if you fulfill this, you please God. There's a lot of things the Bible speaks about, but if you fulfill this, you please God. You can be content right now with whatever you're doing because you're pleasing God. You can please God. How do we go to Christ for this strength? Amen? Well, the Bible says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen? This is what the Bible says, that we need to wait on the promises of God. To wait on the promises of God. His divine power has given us everything we need for our godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He's given us everything we need to please him. We don't need anything else. We're not looking for Eden on earth, amen? Because we're going to get thorns every time. We're looking for the chance that we might please God. You know, through our relationship with Christ, believing in the precious promises of God, that's how we can get strengthened by God. How many promises of God do you know offhand in your mind? That's a challenging one, right? I want to put to you, if you, if you learn 20 of them, 20 of your favorite promises of God, and have them on your phone, call them to mind, you'll get strengthened every time you use them. You know, those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That's a promise of God. He's given me everything I need for a godly life through him. I can hold on to that promise. Amen? Through his precious promises, we can participate in the divine nature. Amen? How many precious promises do you know? Learn them. You know? You know, through our relationship with Christ, we can take hold of these precious promises. Um, Trenton has a uh, nice tattoo on his arm that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love that. We're, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that as I'm preaching. I'm like, wow, right there. It reminds him every time. And God willing, um, we're excited that, you know, we talked about Tuesday, him being baptized, which is really awesome. Not to put him on the spot, Lord willing, but we're excited about that. And I was talking to him about how it's scary to get baptized. It's scary to cross over. Amen? Amen. But we have a God who loves us more than anyone else. And we have a God who's all-powerful and sovereign. And when you think of God, when you actually remember the promise of God, what do we really have to fear? We're in a loving God's arms who's got the whole world in his hands. 
You know, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You know, through Christ, we can love across our differences. Amen? Amen. Through Christ, we can live through anxiety. Through Christ, we can renew our thinking with our doing. Through Christ, we can learn contentment. Death, failure, betrayal, sickness, disappointment. They cannot take our joy because they cannot take our Jesus. Because I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Can death take our joy? No, Jesus is greater than death. Can failure take our joy? No, Jesus is greater than our sin. Can betrayal take our joy? No, God promised whether on this side of the grave or the other, he's healed us. Can disappointment take our joy? No, because even though our plans may not work out, we know God, his plan will. Because you have in Christ more than you don't have in this world. Amen. Amen.